This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit www.librivox.org. Washington Square by Henry James, read for LibriVox by Dawn Murphy in El Segundo, California. Chapter thirty four. It was her habit to remain in town very late in the summer. She preferred the house in Washington Square to any other habitation whatever, and it was under protest that she used to go to the seaside for the month of August. At the sea, she spent her month at a hotel. The year that her father died, she intermitted this custom altogether, not thinking it consistent with deep mourning, and the year after that she put off her departure till so late that the middle of August found her still in the heated solitude of Washington Square. Mrs. Pennyman, who was fond of a change, was usually eager for a visit to the country, but this year she appeared quite content with such rural impressions as she could gather at the parlour window from the ailanthus trees behind the wooden paling. The particular fragrance of this vegetation used to diffuse itself in the evening air, and Mrs. Pennyman, on the warm nights of July, often sat at the open window and inhaled it. It was a happy moment for Mrs. Pennyman. After the death of her brother, she felt more free to obey her impulses. A vague oppression had disappeared from her life, and she enjoyed a sense of freedom of which she had not been conscious since the memorable time so long ago when the doctor went abroad with Catherine and left her at home to entertain Morris Townsend. The year that had elapsed since her brother's death reminded her of that happy time, because, although Catherine, in growing older, had become a person to reckon with, yet her society was a very different thing, as Mrs. Pennyman said, from that of a tank of cold water. The elder lady hardly knew what use to make of this larger margin of her life. She sat and looked at it very much, as she had often sat, with her poised needle in her hand, before her tapestry frame. She had a confident hope, however, that her rich impulses, her talent for embroidery, would still find their application, and this confidence was justified before many months elapsed. Catherine continued to live in her father's house, in spite of its being represented to her, that a maiden lady, of quiet habits, might find a more convenient abode in one of the smaller dwellings, with brownstone fronts, which had at this time begun to adorn the traverse thoroughfares in the upper part of the town. She liked the earlier structure. It had begun by this time to be called an old house, and proposed to herself to end her days in it. If it was too large for a pair of unpretending gentlewomen, this was better than the opposite fault, for Catherine had no desire to find herself in closer quarters with her aunt. She expected to spend the rest of her life in Washington Square, and to enjoy Mrs. Pennyman's society for the whole of this period. As she had a conviction that, long as she might live, her aunt would live at least as long, and always retain her brilliancy and activity. Mrs. Pennyman suggested to her the idea of a rich vitality. On one of those warm evenings in July of which mention has been made, the two ladies sat together at an open window, looking out on the quiet square. 
It was too hot for lighted lamps, for reading, or for work. It might have appeared too hot even for conversation, Mrs. Pennyman having long been speechless. She sat forward in the window, half on the balcony, humming a little song. Catherine was within the room, in a low rocking-chair, dressed in white and slowly using a large palmetto fan. It was in this way, at this season, that the aunt and niece, after they had had tea, habitually spent their evenings. "'Catherine,' said Miss Pennyman, at last, "'I am going to say something that will surprise you.' "'Pray do,' Catherine answered. "'I like surprises, and it is so quiet now.' "'Well, then,' I have seen Morris Townsend. If Catherine was surprised, she checked the expression of it. She gave neither a start nor an exclamation. She remained, indeed, for some moments, intensely still, and this may very well have been a symptom of emotion. I hope he is well, she said at last. I don't know. He is a great deal changed. He would like very much to see you. I would rather not see him," said Catherine quickly. I was afraid you would say that. But you don't seem surprised. I am, very much. I met him at Miriam's," said Mrs. Pennyman. He goes to Miriam's, and they are so afraid you will meet him there. It's my belief that that's why he goes. He wants so much to see you. Catherine made no response to this, and Mrs. Pennyman went on. I didn't know him at first. He is so remarkably changed. But he knew me in a minute. He says I am not in the least changed. You know how polite he always was. He was coming away when I came, and we walked a little distance together. He is still very handsome, only, of course, he looks older, and he is not so, so animated as he used to be. There was a touch of sadness about him, but there was a touch of sadness about him before especially when he went away. I am afraid he has not been very successful, that he has never got thoroughly established. I don't suppose he is sufficiently plodding, and that, after all, is what succeeds in this world." Mrs. Pennyman had not mentioned Morris Townsend's name to her niece for upwards of the fifth of the century. But now that she had broken the spell, she seemed to wish to make up for lost time, as if there had been a sort of exhilaration in hearing herself talk of him. She proceeded, however, with considerable caution, pausing occasionally to let Catherine give some sign. Catherine gave no other sign than to stop the rocking of her chair and the swaying of her fan. She sat motionless and silent. "'It was on Tuesday last,' said Mrs. Pennyman and I have been hesitating ever since about telling you. I didn't know how you might like it. At last I thought it was so long ago that you would probably not have any particular feeling. I saw him again after meeting him at Miriam's. I met him in the street, and he went a few steps with me. The first thing he said was about you. He asked ever so many questions. Miriam didn't want me to speak to you. She didn't want you to know that they receive him. I told him I was sure that after all these years you wouldn't have any feeling about that. You couldn't grudge him the hospitality of his own cousin's house. I said you would be bitter indeed if you did that. Marian, 
has the most extraordinary ideas about what happened between you. She seems to think he behaved in some very unusual manner. I took the liberty of reminding her of the real facts, and placing the story in its true light. He has no bitterness, Catherine. I can assure you, and he might be excused for it, for things have not gone well with him. He has been all over the world and tried to establish himself everywhere, but his evil star was against him. It is most interesting to hear him talk of his evil star. Everything failed. Everything but his—you know, you remember—his proud, high spirit. I believe he married some lady somewhere in Europe. You know they marry in such a peculiar, matter-of-course way in Europe—a marriage of reason, they call it. She died soon afterward, as he said to me. She only flitted across his life. He has not been in New York for ten years. He came back a few days ago. The first thing he did was to ask me about you. He had heard you had never married. He seemed very much interested about that. He said you had been the real romance of his life. Catherine had suffered her companion to proceed from point to point, and pause to pause, without interrupting her. She fixed her eyes on the ground and listened. But the last phrase I have quoted was followed by a pause of peculiar significance, and then at last Catherine spoke. It will be observed that, before doing so, she had received a good deal of information about Morris Townsend. Please say no more. Please don't follow up that subject. Doesn't it interest you? asked Mrs. Pennyman, with a certain timorous archness. It pains me, said Catherine. I was afraid you would say that, but don't you think you could get used to it? He wants so much to see you. Please don't, Aunt Lavinia, said Catherine, getting up from her seat. She moved quickly away and went to the other window, which stood open to the balcony. And here, in the embrasure, concealed from her aunt, from the white curtains, she remained a long time, looking out into the warm darkness. She had had a great shock. It was as if the gulf of the past had suddenly opened, and a spectral figure had risen out of it. There were some things she had believed she got over, some feelings that she had thought of as dead, but apparently there was a certain vitality in them still. Mrs. Pennyman had made them stir themselves. It was but a momentary agitation, Catherine said to herself. It would presently pass away. She was trembling, and her heart was beating so that she could feel it, but this also would subside. Then suddenly, while she waited for a return of her calmness, she burst into tears. But her tears flowed very silently, so that Mrs. Pennyman had no observation of them. It was perhaps, however, because Mrs. Pennyman suspected them, that she said no more that evening about Morris Townsend. End of chapter 34 this has been a LibriVox recording of Washington Square, a novel by Henry James, read for LibriVox by Don Murphy, in El Segundo, California, 